Merry Christmas! Welcome back, listeners, to the jingle jangle of the Christmas bells. It is, of course, the holiday season, and we're just doing a little podcast here, a little honorary finish out this year podcast with me and my wonderful co-host as ever george taylor how are you doing george happy holidays thanks steve i just want to make it known that i'm not sat on your knee uh yeah that's important important to mention (laughs) no you are you are sat comfortably in uh new jersey i'm over here at my parents, I've, I just packed everything up, George, and got back here from London. I, I booked out of town. And, Skip uh, town. Yeah, bombed it down the M25 back to Essex. And uh, here I am. So, yeah, I feel, I mean, we're less than a week away from Christmas. Uh, That's mental. That's absolutely mental, isn't it? <laughs> that, that is mental. Um, I keep not being able to decide if this year was really, really long or really short. And it, it's sort of both. Yeah. Both because it's short because there's not many memories, as we talked about, to, to sort of distinguish it. But it's also, if I go back to when I went to Los Angeles, George, in January, that seems like a damn decade away. Yeah. Um, and I remember us sitting by the pool wondering if, oh, this COVID thing, I wonder if I should go to Japan because that looks a little bit, oh, that looks a little bit weird. Okay, but... And just, you did, you did go, didn't you? I did go and we went, yeah, there's just some cases though. There's been like one recorded in the US. I, I think we're good. Um, famous words. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, here we are. I, I just, I, you know... To everyone out there, I mean, well done, well done on getting here. Um, yeah, what, whatever you've been through this year, and the amazing thing about this year is that there won't be anyone whose life wasn't touched by it in some way. There won't be people scratching their head, being like, "Oh, I can't really relate to this. I don't know what you're talking about." It's like absolutely everyone will have a sort of what I ended up doing in 2020 sort of story. Um, For sure, it's also a bit. I don't want to say. Well, maybe I do want to say it has been a bit of a free pass year, right? It's a kind of assuming you've avoided all the sort of pitfalls of the darker side of everything going on. It's a chance to maybe reset. I don't think you have to beat yourself up if you haven't, you know, written the novel you're always going to write or whatever. It's been a very draining and sort of toll-taking year. So it's it's kind of a free free swing almost and everyone can just reset for 2021 and that might mean there's a load of people charging for the same goals and everything's a bit more competitive but at least there'll be things to charge for yeah i was i was thinking about that i thought man in 2021 is everything ever going to be booked up people are everyone's going to be traveling everyone's going to be trying to like start their business and achieve all their goals they're going to be like right i'm i'm banging i'm coming out the starting gate running like that, um, yeah, maybe maybe it would have been better to get it all done this year. But um, <laughs> yeah, I um yeah, it's funny you say like it's a it's a free pass year. I I mean that that relieves me that way of looking at it. I have to admit I've been I I feel like I've beaten myself up quite a bit towards the last quarter of the year in in a strange way where I've been sort of very. I found the second lockdown in in England uh, fairly sort of. Um, oppressive isn't the right word, but but 
draining and difficult and um and it it was one of those things where it sort of crept up on me i think it was a sort of accumulation of keep going in and out of things and uh and i did start beating myself up for being like man i really should be getting a lot more done doing this because i i has i sort of got a rhythm earlier in the year and i kind of was doing that and i was kind of reading a lot and writing and yeah just just the last couple of months has been a lot of sort of self-chastisement on my part for just um yeah I don't know but but I guess that that probably is a bit of a type a mentality of of being a bit too you know thinking well I'm sorry type type a or type a (laughs) yeah very good Um, no no I genuinely when you first said that I I thought you meant oh I was in type a earlier this year I picked up but you mean type a yeah a type yeah, yeah people you. say there's a type a achiever mentality right a type a, and a right. type mentality but um yeah I, I yeah i don't know but um that it was definitely a feeling of like oh have i capitalized enough on this window where i could have got all these things done and it, it probably is a bit of a silly mindset but i did get a bit lost in a lot of beating myself up which i imagine people do as well where they feel like like, well, if I can't do it now when I'm sitting at home with this free time. Um, but there's lots of things demanding your your mental space as well. So it's... Uh, Taylor, Taylor Swift released two albums this year, Steve. She did. I, I don't know if she wrote them this year. Maybe she did. She did. She wrote them all during and after the start of the pandemic. All right, well, don't rub it in. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, well... Well, now you've brought it up. I feel like this time last year you brought up a Taylor Swift album. So we, what? What? Uh, yeah, thought? sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, I think my. I, I'm gonna. You've plunged into these more than I have. I've sort I'm of certainly confident that that's true. Yeah. I, I have dipped into them. My hot take, my quick take, is the first one superior to the second one. The second one's a bit more. Feels like the B sides of the first one. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree. I don't. I think B sides is probably a little bit critical, but I would say that there are kind of like melodies and opening notes and things that sound like other songs, almost as if you know they were a second, not a B side, but a second version of using the same kind of musical instrumentation. Um, yeah, these the second set of songs feel evocative of more of her earlier stuff. Not evocative, but remind you of her earlier stuff. As in, oh, that sounds a lot like that. Whereas the first album of this year felt almost entirely a fresh sound for her. But also, if, you know, they're all produced by that the band, The National, right? And if you listen to them a lot, mm-hmm. their music's all very samey. So I suppose it's uh, and not in a bad way. I think it's kind of a consistent mood thing throughout their career. So if you're into that and sort of accept that or that like cerebral indie rock kind of has a signature sound, then I suppose it's it's kind of harsh to call hold her accountable for that. You know, if you release thirty songs in a year and they're all written with the same people, there probably will be a lot of overlap, won't there? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I, as a as a sort of tail, I, I mean, you know. Tay Tay is very much friend of the show. I think we both like. Um, I uh, what, what, she doesn't know it yet. But. No, where where do you sit this in her discography? Because if I if I, again if I was giving sort of gut reaction, I do I do prefer the sort of big produced, poppy, colourful um, Taylor Swift a bit more than the stripped down guitar stuff. 
but what's your sort of I think I probably agree Steve and I think that's because I my initial sort of interactions with her music were with the poppier stuff like that 1989 album whereas I feel like the real sort of Taylor heads have been you know listening to her music since she since she was writing country songs so I think a lot of people are really loving this stuff because it's a bit more girl and a guitar telling a story again and that really is her going back to you know it's the the big gloss pop was the diversion this yeah, is yeah. really the diversion you know so it's depends what you got got in it in it for but she writes she writes great songs i don't think anyone could yeah, no, argue she, with that she, she puts a song together um no one's saying she doesn't uh you got any standout tracks for the listeners who haven't dived in yet i, I absolutely love gold rush steve apparently it's about about that rascal harry styles i think she only she was only going out with him for about three weeks she's been milking that for the last nine years good on her not like taylor swift to write a song about the relationship she's been in no but you know she's been back to that well (laughs) she's written more songs about him than they probably went on dates it's kind of mental (laughs) um big fan of that track i think it's great it's it's got that kind of heady you know she like fits a lot of words and syllables into a kind of an on-rushing kind of like marching musical sort of stampede. I'm not expressing that very well, but it's it's an evocative rush of a song. Big fan of Tis the Damn Season. I think that's excellent. And I really like Cowboy Like Me. I think that's a great sort of country song. Really, I remember, really well done. I remember liking uh, a Gold Rush one and uh, I think the Coney Island one was pretty good on that. Track. Yeah, that's that's the one with Matt. Matt Berninger, right? So yeah. that's probably the most national sounding. Um, yeah. But, it, was just, uh, it was a real pleasant surprise, wasn't it? This time last week. Oh, new Taylor album in a couple of hours. Brilliant. Perfect. I was listening to it while I was queuing in the cold at the DMV, Steve, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> you you and her both wandering in the woods, very much trying to find your way, way out. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think... As the album cover suggests, she did toddle off somewhere rural for the year. Uh, she, well, they recorded them in upstate New York at uh, Aaron Dessner's studio, so I imagine that's probably where they took all those photographs. But I'm not, I'm not 100 sure. Um, there you go. Not far from you. Speaking of- <laughs> no, fingers crossed. Might bump into each other. Speaking of which, you are spending Christmas abroad, uh, something I have actually never done. I, I know you've done it before with your girlfriend, when, when Elizabeth was your girlfriend, not your wife. Um, did yeah. you, spend, you spend it in Denmark before? Yeah, I've, I spent one Christmas in Denmark. I think when I was a child, we went to Lapland to see Father Christmas himself um, when I was a kid. And... I don't remember being there for Christmas Day, and it, but it would be strange to go and see Father Christmas after Christmas Day. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not sure. Maybe we went for Christmas Eve for that, but as far as I can remember, I've only spent one Christmas away from from good old England, and it was a, it was a really interesting experience to kind of see how another country and culture does it, how another family does it, and all that stuff. This would be the first time it'll be kind of on our on our terms as a as a couple, I suppose, but. Um, I think we're actually spending it with a couple of friends from 
from university who lived very near us. They very kindly invited us to join them. So uh, we also did Thanksgiving with them. So it'll be a really interesting kind of compare and contrast because everyone gets turkey out of their system in November. So I don't know what we'll be eating. Whereas in the UK, it's pretty nailed on that you'll be having turkey unless you're having goose. Do we? Um, do you notice anything particularly different about the build-up or the things you'd usually be doing? Or, I mean, COVID's kind of kicked that into the curb, hasn't it, really? But, yeah, um, things like, you know, even the, all the churches in Princeton are closed, so you couldn't go to a carol service if you wanted to. That's not really something I would probably be doing, but that's a very traditional thing that isn't happening at the moment. There isn't door-to-door caroling going on, obviously. Um, there's a really beautiful Christmas tree in the square in Princeton, and they've, they've got all that that going on which is still really lovely but there aren't any students in the town so I guess all the the kind of atmosphere and buzz just isn't isn't really taking place but the people have done a really good job with the decorations the town looks really cute and the way they've put it all together is really lovely we had a foot of snow last night so that's made it all very very magical um yeah a magical kind of atmosphere but yeah really it's it's kind of hard to compare this year in the UK, it can't really feel that similar, right? It's just, uh, you'd be in the pub, like cosy in a pub at the moment normally, and that's just not going on at the moment. Yeah, and just not not the level of socialising that would usually be happening. Like, I, at this point, it feels like there's a strangely, like, quiet calendar up to Christmas Day, and it's like, oh, yeah, because now there'd be, like, some some yeah. event every day where oh we're going around their families for like uh, some drinks and they're having a Christmas you know a little pre-Christmas well, that's it it's, normally this is the kind of one or two weeks it's really the only couple of weeks you would be back home with your parents and then seeing everyone but this year you've been back home with your parents for like eight months right so it's yeah kind of oh, it's all just sort of feels a bit blasé but your your brother normally hosts the big Christmas party right that's the first yeah. time I'm guessing won't be happening. It's a big thing on the, the Essex social calendar. Yeah, that's a big thing for us. But the uh, the PR would be terrible if it got out. <laughs> we were hosting a super a super spreader super spreader party. Yeah, oh wow. Yeah, uh, especially if dating dating coach Matthew Hussey is involved. Um, oh, yeah. not, not as the last thing we need. Um, but uh, so no, we're staring well clear of that. A lot of my mum's friends are being very cautious because. You know, there's just a couple of, you know, people they know who have got it and have got COVID yeah. or had it. So, so yeah, it's, but I was looking at and I was like, why have I got most of my Christmas shopping done? I'm usually scraping, uh, I'm in 22nd, 23rd, I'm pushing to. Um, yeah. Sometimes even a Christmas Eve, get the final ones. But I'm actually a, I'm actually quite ahead of the game this year. And You've I realized, oh, to do, there's nothing else is happening. Yeah, <laughs> Again, yeah. there's no social event. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I've still, you know, all the classics, George. I'm eating my advent calendar, something I know Americans don't do, right? They don't have advent calendars. I'm not sure. Um, so we've, Elizabeth and I have sorted each other out an advent calendar, kind of one we've made, well, she, Elizabeth made me one, which is very lovely. It's a sort of different coffee package every couple of days, which is very nice. So I got her one that has... Uh, different herbal tea every day, Steve, which is also, you know, lovely in its own way. Um, 
her being Danish, it's a very big deal in Denmark. Um, so I don't think there was ever a chance we'd go without advent calendars. I think in Denmark it gets so kind of grey and miserable and dark in December that they just sort of gussy up every day with a little present or a little <laughs> something or other to just take the edge off. And, you know, like people would actually give each other proper presents throughout the month in the build-up to Christmas Day. Maybe rather than a big present, you'd have lots of little things to kind of mix it up. But keeping in touch with her friends back home, she put together a few kind of letters and cards as Advent calendars for her friends to open and stuff. So the Danes take Advent, you know, really, really seriously. So it's a, it's a really nice Christmas tradition. It definitely gets you in the, in the mood. So for, for our international audience, of which there are quite a lot, uh, and uh, uh, in the UK and other places, uh, we have little calendars where you get, you often get, a little window to open every day of December and inside is a often a chocolate, uh, a treat, something you open all the way up to Christmas Day. Um, then you'd get a slightly bigger chocolate on the 25th, right? You'd get a fun-sized Mars bar or something. Yeah, and by then, though, there's already loads of chocolate out on Christmas Day and Eve anyway, so it's a little bit... A little yeah. Bit but, um, yeah. But yeah, I've I've been doing that. Also, it, I do I do know Americans don't really have Christmas crackers, George. The way you said I've been doing that, that doesn't count as something you've been doing. <laughs> what have you been What have you been up to? Well, I've been doing my advent calendar. That is very much a why is this an event moment. What? Why? Is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's a thing. Really slow day. I've been opening a window of <laughs> chocolate <laughs> every day. Um, so that's kept me going. Um, yeah. No, I've been uh, I've been tallying up a few things, sort of the years, the years, things I consumed and read, and uh, mm. looking at sort of. I'm going to do a sort of couple of best of posts, George. But I was thinking of some of the uh, top top tier television I watched this year. I'll just run you through. Um, so these were all shows that had at least a series this year. So, and in no particular order. Bojack Horseman, wonderful finale, wonderful final season. The Boys, that's on Amazon. Superhero one, about naughty superheroes. Cobra Cobra Kai, we discussed that. Lovely. Uh, Karate Kid one. I May Destroy You, uh, BBC one. Uh, very good, uh, compelling series, quite dark, quite gritty. Uh, what we do in the shadows? That was a sort of lockdown comfort to me. The the no, vampire. I've seen the film. I've not seen the TV series. Yeah, that's like a, a vampire comedy on FX. Um, and then uh, sort of, and then the ones that weren't twenty twenty ones, but I really enjoyed were Deadwood and Barry. Fabulous. Uh, both fabulous. And then my honourable mentions were Queen's Gambit, Devs, and The Crown. Lovely. Um, and, you know, The Crown has been a... Uh, have you watched the new series of The Crown? Steve, I haven't watched any of The Crown. I'm kind of saving it for when I start to get homesick. Right. I was going to say, because it would be up your alley. I didn't know if you, you were sort of just saying, no, I'm not interested. But um, No, I'm, I'm keen to watch it. It's just not, not happened yet. It's, it's like, it, you know, sometimes... It doesn't. It manages to really toe a really sort of admirable line between. Obviously, sometimes it deals with hyperbole or questionable, you know, 
was Prince Charles, did, did Prince Charles actually act or say those things or was Diana yeah. like this? You know, like interpretive sort of um, license. But um, but it does toe this line really well between being sort of dramatic enough to be compelling, but not so much as to sort of be ridiculous soap opera You know, it's... It, it, Do you think it, it's uh, the 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 task for the writers or for even how we perceive it gets harder for them as it becomes closer and closer to the present day, you know, just with the sort of extensive tabloid coverage of Diana, there's, you know, more probably quantifiable stuff that we know she definitely said or did. Whereas the episodes set in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, whenever it starts, they've got a bit more license because it's further back in the past. Whereas I I remember Diana doing stuff very clearly. That's right. Like no one can have a strong opinion about what Winston Churchill might have said. You know, yeah, he's yeah. become a sort of iconic figure where you know you could sort of transplant what you want onto him a bit more. Yeah, but yeah. With Diana, a lot of people have fresh memories of those things, and Prince Charles is still going right. So it's like you know, it's yeah, like completely. we see him now. I um, mean, so is so is the queen. So is the queen. So is the Queen, but um, yeah. So it's it is in, it is a sort of interesting dilemma. Um, it must be very surreal. It's a surreal idea, right? Of like they are still living and reigning now. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the casting is what's quite incredible in in the the likenesses they seem to manage to get in the actors that portray them, and it is. I'm like, wow, they're. That whoever they, however, they must search far and wide because the cast actually resemble and do good sort of, you know, imitations of the people they're meant to be doing. Mm. Uh, it's quite, quite impressive. But uh, nice. it, it definitely could have been just a very, sum- it is a very sumptuous show. It is about the visuals. It is about the splendor of it. But it doesn't become so stately as to sort of become a, a boring plod. They sort of managed to to find where the drama and interesting conflict is. I suppose if they're going for kind of, what, what, nearly 80 years of drama and intrigue, or whatever, there's enough stories for however many episodes they need, right? There's there's obviously enough juicy stuff for them to cover. Yeah, and they do a good job of just, like, condensing it down. Like, things happen quite quickly, but... Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, yeah, I've actually... I, I, I don't know. I thought it might be something I would find a bit sort of... Uh, cringy or or i don't know treacly but it's actually it's actually quite a pleasure lovely um is there any standouts to you that i have not cited i mean you've put me on the spot slightly because i've done zero preparation but of the i I really enjoyed devs that you mentioned there i think we've talked about it before quite a cerebral alex garland short series about ai and predetermination or predestination and can we affect our futures and what we know to be real and things like that. Really interesting, real thinker. Um, maybe an episode too long. If they could have whittled it down a bit more, it would have been slightly better, but very much worth watching. Um, would you agree with that? Did you find it slightly long? Yeah, it, it had it had bits where it, it took its time. It was like purposely yeah. paced, but um, yeah. 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 Yeah, really, really well done. Yeah, but, but but made with a lot of style and, uh, and yeah. Um, um, something that you didn't mention that I thought was, I thought was absolutely excellent, and it got kind of strangely reviewed because people either brought existing prejudices about the main member of the cast and writing team 
to the show or only watched maybe the first three episodes before it kind of took its emotional turn and developed and blossomed into something that the people with those prejudices would very much enjoy. It was the show Dave. Are you familiar with that? With the unfortunately named Lil Dicky in the starring role. I, I actually haven't. No, I feel like you've mentioned it to me though. It's fantastic. I think it was the best comedy I watched this year, probably. Yeah, it, it was the best comedy I watched this year. It's uh, He's an aspiring rapper living in Los Angeles. He's a kind of Jewish sort of middle-class suburban white kid, you know, fish out of water in the rap community kind of thing. And it's about his his rise. Uh, real people playing slightly bastardised versions of themselves, a bit like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, but with a sunny, sunny optimism. He's a very optimistic character. It's just got a lot of heart. It's got really, really well-drawn supporting cast, um, really great roles for the, the women in the show. It's got... Uh, it's just really funny, really, really well written. Uh, the kind of the music and the rap scene in it are, are depicted really well, I think, fairly accurately. Um, but it's, I think, a 10 episode series. By the last sort of three or four episodes, it, it's got a really strong emotional punch. It kind of comes full circle. And all of the criticism that I guess a lot of the music press put towards it is that he's he's put out a lot of silly spoof videos before where it's, you know he's been criticised for I guess cultural appropriation or things levelled at him like that and I feel like he addresses those things in a very effective way in the show um, and it, it takes a little if if you come at it with your preconceptions of who he is or how you feel you would feel about him they get addressed within about six episodes of the show and you need to give him give him the time he needs to be able to respond to them, I suppose. But yeah. it's like laugh out loud funny from the very start of it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Potentially the best thing I saw this year. Uh, I blasted it in a day or so. Um, oh, that's, I mean, that's a glowing review. That's, that's As a comedy, a couple, of, a couple of our friends have attempted to watch it and hated it, and I thought they <laughs> didn't, didn't give it an appropriate amount of time to assess it because it is very, very good. But they... Uh, they also were very critical of another show that we told them to stick with, and they didn't. One, well, one round, so who knows? Um, uh, no, but John, our friend John, did come round to Succession. He said it was exactly, good. and I think he hated that for the first sort of six episodes. I think he gave Dave three episodes, maybe. There's a few too many genital jokes for his yeah. his taste. But um, oh, I can't. I can't I, wait for more. Uh, I can't wait for more Succession. Yeah, same. But highly, highly recommend Dave. Uh, what else did I love this year? Uh, well, season two of Succession, I suppose that was from last year, wasn't it? Um, yeesh, that, it's not been a big TV year for me. I can't think of too much other stuff. Devs and Dave are potentially the standouts. Did you, did you watch I May Destroy You or have any interest in what No, I haven't, haven't seen that yet. It's also on my list. I'm guessing it's a kind of darker flea bag sort of Mood. Well, not not really. I mean, not really fleet bag because it's kind of like there is more of a a singular narrative based on like right. based on a sort of a sexual assault, and it yeah. unfolds from there. But it goes in lots of strange and unexpected directions, and is very you know directed with a lot of flair and sort of punch. And I I really sort of inhaled it very quickly and was very uh, compelled by it. Um, yeah, it's just it's just very interesting, and, and Michaela Cole, who sort of writes and stars in it, is is clearly uh, sort of a very you know very good young talent. 
Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's well worth having a look at. Um, uh, and it kind of had the sort of, I think it's a BBC show, but it sort of really did sort of have quite an elevated, like, you know, interesting sort of point of view and directorial style, like a lot of idiosyncrasies you might not associate with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I ended up with TV a lot because I just, I couldn't go to the movies. I, I barely saw any films new. I, I saw old films this year, but I barely watched anything that came out in 2020. Yeah. It was a, f- a funny one for films. Um, the same, I think I've been to this, apart from catching the Oscars films in like January, February, I've only bit, managed to go to the cinema and see Tenet while we were in Denmark. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Tenet? Really enjoyed it. Thought it was really good, you know, fun, I suppose. Um, kind of as high concept as a blockbuster can be while still holding your attention. It, you know, if it went a level up from that, it would be too sort of esoteric to follow within in that time. I suppose it's a bit cheeky to sort of say, oh, well, you'll fully understand it when you watch it a second time. I don't know if that's sort of okay when it's like £35 for a ticket to see it in the IMAX. But um, yeah, really, really good. You know, it's sort of at the upper limit of what a blockbuster can be doing. I think he needs to mix his sound better, particularly when the dialogue is sort of absolutely essential to your understanding of how the film works. But um, yeah, really really good fun, really enjoyable. Um, Yeah, can't. If you want to see a big blockbuster well made with good ideas, then it, it ticks a lot of those boxes for sure. Yeah, I was uh, I thought it was strong as well, and 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 I kind of do want to see it again, which is usually a good sign. And I, uh, yeah, I thought it was just it was just very you know you you I think some people don't get over the hurdle of the main conceit at the start, but I think you know once you sort of go with that as being the premise then you know it's kind of like the actual execution of that like the some of the action scenes genuinely are and i feel this every time with christopher nolan it genuinely feels like i've not seen something like that ever on screen yeah. before and i yeah I, he, he does that with like dunkirk he did that with interstellar and and this again where i was like you know some of those like breathtaking set pieces are just incredible to watch and uh yeah, and uh, I I agree with you. There's some, <laughs> the audio mixing things. Sometimes the dialogue is a little like yeah, just just sort of like rush through with you trying to catch bits and being like, okay, I think they just sort of said this and this is happening. Yeah. Now. Like it just sort of like kicks the plot along. But um, but yeah, I was uh, I I was very into it and uh, had a really good time watching it. I. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see it again, see how it all hangs together with the sort of foresight of it. Yeah, I do, I do think there is there is just something slightly cheeky about, oh, you'll get the payoff when you watch it the second time. I, I'm not quite sure if if that's, a la- you know, if we sort of accept that or sitting through and watching a film, you can kind of form all your opinions by the end of that viewing. That's probably what you'd have to say is, is kind of a fair frame of judgment for a film. You can't really say, oh, well, after the fourth time you see it, you'll understand everything and give it all the plaudits it needs. Well, it's probably not quite achieving what it should be achieving, you know. But no. I think it's just the limit of what it can get away with. Yeah, I. Uh, although I guess, yeah, I guess some films reward repeat viewing, but hopefully... Definitely, yeah. definitely but there's, I think there's a difference between rewarding it and saying, oh, you'll now understand what's going on, but you'll have to right. watch it a second time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the um yeah the final sequence is is quite breathtaking though especially on a big screen um and the uh the soundtrack is excellent as well and it was by um Ludwig Göransson and not Hans Zimmer who does nearly all of Christopher Nolan's soundtracks yeah. but I think he was just literally had other commitments I think he was doing Dune or something so he sort of put put forward Göransson who is also an accomplished uh film composer but yeah it's got this really sort of uh sort of industrial a bit grungy beats soundtrack and it's uh it really works well with the sort of tone of the film um I've, yeah. I've listened to it a few times running george and it's been very oh. good it's been great well, that's that good um, um i remembered another tv series that i thought was very good this year was the plot against america the adopt the adaptation of the philip roth novel um about sort of uh encroaching fascism during the or during the build-up from the american point of view of the second world war I thought it was really well done. Very like self-contained series. I think only five or six episodes. Really good cast. Really well done. Um, did did the novel justice? The novel remains better, but uh, very very much worth watching. Nice. Um, I'll add that on. Oh, the other thing about Tenet. The only other the other critique I have is that the and this sometimes is a Nolan thing a bit, but like the characters are a little bit thin at times and kind of. Oh, just a bit, yeah. Yeah, the characters sort of sometimes... In Nolan films, sometimes it's like the characters are just there to move things along, but like... Um, but I think it was done better in Inception and Interstellar, and, and in this one, the main character's kind of... He's meant to be a nameless CIA agent, so he is a little bit bland. Um, and uh, the relationship between Kenneth Branagh and... Uh, what's her name? Robin? I can't remember the other The actress, actress. Elizabeth yeah. Debicki. Oh, or Robert Pattinson. <laughs> no, no, Elizabeth. Uh, she, uh, like, yeah, their relationship sometimes is like, I don't, I'm not sure I buy the chemistry sometimes and things like that. It's it's a little bit hammy. But um, yeah, that, those are the parts where it, the writing is a little bit um, wanting at times. I suppose it's not a film you're watching for character development particularly, right? It's like, if you're doing such high concept plot, there's only about so much you can fit. You're, you're sort of watching it to see how he holds all the pieces together rather than the other the other things, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Also, did you notice she's the exact same character she played in The Night Manager? Uh, the terrible, terrible Night Manager. Yeah, she was exactly you really the same dislike- person. That was strange. It was like they copied the relationship from The Night Manager. And- yeah, same relationship. She sort of sat on a yacht. <laughs> it, yeah, it was exactly the same. She's yeah. six foot three, Steve. Wow. Um, it's very tall. Um, very tall, very tall. Um, yeah, but anyway, it was it was good stuff overall. I'll, I'll give. I hated Steve the Night Manager. I thought it was thought it was abysmal, but not as abysmal as the follow up show that the the director made, which was the the interminable piece of rubbish she made with uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant that everyone was fawning over for sort of end of November, start of December. I've forgotten the name of it. It was that bad. Uh, Do you know what I mean? The Hugh Grant... Wait, is it a television series? Yeah. It's the same director as The Night Manager. She's Danish. Um, and uh, Was it The Undoing? Not good at all. That's the one. Oh, awful. Awful piece I of didn't television. Wa- I didn't watch that. The worst thing I've seen this year, hands down. <laughs> Dialogue, acting, 
cinematography, set design, script, plotting, pacing, you name it, Steve. It was absolutely atrocious. Oh, poor Hugh. <laughs> Got to take that. Of course, he get. He, I mean, he gets a lot of mileage out of Love Actually this year, which is also an awful film that people like. Um, yeah, I think I've only seen it the once. But it's a Christmas film. It doesn't, you know... This drama was supposed to be, you know, like, oh, it's really good and really sophisticated. Love Actually is not pertaining to be... or no. purporting to be sophisticated, is it? But Love Actually um, is British pornography for people not from the UK. <laughs> And that, that's their view of London and England, and they love it. And, and I'm trading on that, Steve, as I totter around here as much <laughs> as I possibly can. <laughs> um, let's, let's go back to Christmas. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't know why. Um, are you, um, have you got Elizabeth's gift yet? Yeah, I'm really good at all that sort of stuff. Why? Yeah, way ahead of the time. Who's better in your relationship at gift giving, you or her? I think I am, and I think she would say that too. That's no criticism, but I think it's something she's on record as saying. Yeah, I feel like you're you're actually very thoughtful in that area, and I think some of our listeners, George, dare I say, might be surprised how thoughtful you are in that area. <laughs> what? Well, because they all currently think I'm a bit of a pig. No, because sometimes I, you know, I hear through the grapevine what the audience are saying. Okay, come on. No, they, they, they love you, but they, they go, they think you're the sort of more like more curmudgeonly one out of us two, and I'm sort right. of, you know, I'm sort of more a bit more peppy. Hey, let's go, and you're, you know, you're saying, oh, this topic's rubbish. Uh, but does that correlate to the ability to buy presents? Oh, I don't know. I just think they might see you as that, like, you know, a couple of people think, oh, is George grumpy or is he, you know, <laughs> that kind of person? And Or is that a shtick? But like when it comes to holidays, you quite get into the spirit and Christmas, <laughs> you know, you're a gift giver. <laughs> I just think it's a side of you people wouldn't know offhand. <laughs> I suppose not. If I've not bought you a present before, why would you know that? <laughs> um yeah well that's good you're so you'll outdo you'll outdo her well done <laughs> well there's always a competitive element yeah are you have you gotten out of cooking this year because you're going to friends as well um well so i think our plan is to do if we spend maybe christmas day and boxing day with friends we'll we'll redo our own kind of christmas meal for ourselves together <laughs> So I think we will be cooking. Maybe we'll recreate the Danish sort of Scandinavian Christmas meal because we did have turkey for for Thanksgiving. So maybe we'll do a, a pork dish ourselves. So I think we'll certainly cook that. With friends, I'm waiting to be told what I'd need to provide and bring. So we, we will uh, we'll, we will see what what's required. Um, Is your dad doing all the heavy lifting? Uh, yeah, for, for those who don't know, my dad is a very devoted chef and, uh, likes to spend as much of his time, free time cooking as possible. So he, uh, he likes to spend all of Christmas day in the kitchen, uh, cooking. Big Mark. Yeah. With, uh, I mean, my mum helps him, but, uh, he does, he does take the reins a lot and, uh, sort of makes an enormous sort of four course feast. Um, he's a very good cook, I have to say. He's a very good cook. Yeah, he um, he 
it's just that thing on Christmas Day. If you're waiting for a big meal, but you're sort of snacking all day as well, and you've got to be very careful. It's a very, it's always a delicate balancing act. I find Christmas Day. I feel like holiday meals bring out an extra level of capacity, though. I don't think I'd ever get to the point where I go, "Oh no, I had too many biscuits. I can't have my Christmas dinner." I'm no, you're going you're, to eat it, right? It's the day the most of all, more than any other day of the year, you give yourself permission to make an absolute pig of yourself. With no <laughs> like, you, you know, on other days where you go, that's completely mental. Of course, I'm not going to just eat, a, just wolf down a chocolate bar then for no reason because like, oh, I'm sitting in front of telly. I'll just wolf down another chocolate bar and I'll have a handful of those and, you know, Let's go and have. I mean, we do. Let's go we and do have, have fairly different approaches, but yeah, I, I do see what you're saying. There's a level of, of of indulgence you wouldn't usually see yourself doing, and uh, yeah, that so that all happens. But I still, I still find I I've made the mistake in previous years before where I have sort of overdone it on the snacks through the day because my my dad does dinner quite late. Some mm. people do their Christmas meal; they have it at like lunch. But we've always had it as like dinner, sometimes going quite late. So, so we had we had a similar experience with Thanksgiving here. We had it with friends, and they traditionally always have the meal very late. So we kind of spent the day. There wasn't so much snacking going on; it was mainly just drinking. So by the time the meal was served, about eight o'clock, everyone was absolutely sloshed. But um, you oh, kind yeah. of wolfed the meal down and then just went to bed. That's quite uh, good but, if everyone's yeah. quite merry when the meal is there. Though. That's quite fun. That's it. Yeah, that is true. But um, I'd, I'd rather be pigging out all day, I think. And then, yeah, I'd just bring it all. Come one, come all. Just get it, stuff it all in. You know? But you'll even have like a hearty Christmas breakfast. Oh, yeah. I'll do the works. Bring it. Bring it all on. Yeah, please. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, I'd send, send us pictures of that. <laughs> I'll put them up on Instagram. Yeah, they love they love to see it. it's all swollen and pink. Are you are you making plans for next year, or are you you sort of let's not let let's not tempt fate this time. <laughs> let's just take it as it comes. Sorry, what do you in what set of plans about like a, what? I guess you're you're planning to stay fairly planted in the US for now, but but are you sort of you know making big work plans or big any travel or any you know i'm gonna travel around the u.s and see see this old country see what it has to offer i think that's that's definitely on the agenda and i think that's doable particularly i mean vaccinations are on the horizon sooner rather than later aren't they but you know with the the state of the country here it's still fairly open and free to go and do those things you might turn up to a place where it's closed but you could get in your car and go for a drive if you wanted to um I'm definitely in the mindset to stay in the US for as much of the time we have allocated to us here as possible to make the most of it. Um, I see us coming back to the UK or to Europe for a couple of weddings and things we have scheduled, but they are still fairly up in the air, I think, as to whether they can go ahead. Um, So yeah, it is silly to make concrete plans. Um, But broadly, I see myself staying here and coming back for just those those bigger commitments, really. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, you i mean did you have you deferred trips or you just uh, can't even make plans can you really trips for next year yeah i'm 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 gonna be making them on the fly i guess it's it's just knowing when uh when things will be good enough to do that again but yeah the the i'd say the the wedding invitations are pouring in for next year so um yeah i think i think we have 
shared shared invitations so yeah. they will be the same things but for me that's suddenly become a big travel obligation whereas for you that pop, pop down the road kind of thing yeah yeah you uh well i'm glad we'll get you back for those hopefully um yeah fingers crossed yeah so i guess i'll be sort of maneuvering around those and um yeah we've got a bachelor thing so yeah i really i really hope this old uh vaccine gets rolled out so so that we can yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it does seem like people are, there's something heartening that people are just like pushing forward with sort of making these plans and wanting to do things. It's, it's, I think I've said it before, but it's just good seeing that people's, people's resilience and determination to just return to the things they want to do is, is quite a sort of heartening thing of humanity, I think is, uh, For sure. like people take a beating or whatever and things get stopped, but they, they do just sort of want to get back out and live their lives again. And uh, Yeah, fingers crossed that happens. Yeah. So, um, um, positive, well, not exactly positive trends, but positive news in terms of the potential for the vaccines, for sure. Things are still very, very bad here numbers-wise. Not maybe in the town we're living in, but across the country is really still a very serious issue. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of flaring up again in the UK. So so everyone is getting careful again. But it's um, I think I, I said this back on our when when Corona first hit and we were talking about it. But uh, the fact that the vaccine came so so much before people were predicting, a lot of people were predicting it would be sort of mid twenty twenty one. That I, I did say on that podcast a while ago that I was sort of sort of bullish on human ingenuity, and and it does seem to have borne out in that, like I said at the time, if every every sort of smart head is aiming at the same problem, it's quite astonishing the rate at which something can be solved, and uh, that that does, you know, as much as this pandemic has, you know. It has not covered a lot of governments in glory, to put it mildly, um, but. It does, in terms of like actual, actual macro, the ingenuity of humanity to solve these problems. It's like people are saying it's one of the great medical miracles ever that a vaccine was produced in this uh, amount of time. That is, I suppose, is the time is also uh, is sort of being critical of the work, but I suppose they've removed a lot of the hurdles, right? Like a vaccine normally isn't allowed to be done quicker just because it has to go through so many more, you know, rounds of testing. So I suppose if you took those away from other vaccines, they might be fairly quickly cobbled together, but you're then obligated to do 10 years of, of trials and things. So that's, that's no criticism of it, but the rule, the rules have almost changed, haven't they, to get it out there as quick as possible for the greater good as well. Yeah. It's, but it's just, it's just that, right? It just shows like when when things are a necessity, what is able, what hurdles are able to sort of be. When you clear away all that red tape, Steve. Clear away all the red tape. Uh, George is speaking about the DMV again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, They'll have a vaccine out before I've got a driver's license at this yeah. rate. But, uh, you know, I, I like being a Bayesian updater, George, in terms of uh, thinking in probabilities. And that's, your, that's your Tinder profile, isn't that it? That is my Tinder profile. And, and you know, it's a very... It's, I, like to have, I like to keep it relatable for the people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to appeal, um, broad appeal. But, um, yeah, you know, the Bayesian idea of constantly updating your opinions based on, you know each new piece of information should just shift your percentage slightly. So 
this COVID in some ways has made me not change my opinion of the general incompetence of what governments can do, but but it's kind of shifted me more optimistically on sort of human human ability to solve these perceived enormous world scale problems. I'm like, oh, actually, you know, I'm I'm kind of think, oh, actually, we can do quite a lot when 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 things are hitting the fan. I'm kind of more optimistic on humanity now. Um, That's good. So, you know, um, I'm not saying, you know, nuclear war and stuff, that, that could still be an issue. But on, on sort of these macro problems, I, uh, you know, well done. Well done, human beings. They're quite remarkable. I'm quite, I'm quite happy with them on that. That's probably quite a nice note to end on. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I guess I guess let's wrap up here. We'll we'll do another before the year's over. We'll do one. Yeah, we'll do a proper end of list, maybe. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do an end of year we'll and at least, at least bloody books, Steve. Yeah, collate our bookies and things like that. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, what have we got? We got a few more. We got one more shopping weekend, so. I mean, maybe just shop on Amazon if you're trying to keep safe. Uh, other stores are available. We're not shilling for Jeff Bezos, you know, wherever you want to get your your goodies. Um, one good thing about COVID, George, it's made me a much more effective online shopper. I now, I, I now have been buying Christmas presents from many different strange and wonderful online shops I didn't know existed. Oh, what, you mean you've kind of been able to broaden your net sort of yeah because i used to just fill in the gaps with like i'd get some amazon purchases in do some you know the obvious things but i've sort of really sort of been diving deep on there's more and more shops that do much better deliveries now so so just without any gift spoilers for people you've purchased from what's been a good like a good find online for there was a good there was a good shop called just for like bits and pieces, there was a good shop called Not on the High Street. Oh yeah, very nice. And it just has some useful, you know, just little stocking fillers and things you might want for people or like interesting gifts you wouldn't think of. They're quite, you know, they're builders' unique gift ideas and personalized gifts. But yeah, they're quite helpful for sort of uncles and aunts and, you know, <laughs> mums and dads and things. There's, yeah, it's... Uh, Brothers and sisters? Well, depends what, I don't know, let's not go crazy, but <laughs> no, actually they're, they're a bit easier to buy for. I find it very hard to buy for um, parents, particularly difficult. Your own parents or just? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but it's like maybe it's something that happens as you get older or maybe it's just a parents thing. But I feel like my brothers have a lot of hobbies and things I can dip into and cultivate. Right. I, I know the books they might want. I know the like maybe a video game, maybe a an, a, a an experience they'd like, a little you know piece of clothing. Very hard with my dad to get the right clothing. Very hard to get the yeah. right, you know. He likes cooking, <laughs> and it's like how many yeah. things? How many cooking things? Yeah. Do yeah. yeah. Do you do you have you had that in the past? It's always it's always been a dilemma, but um, yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, younger people who have more sort of overt interests should be easier to buy for. But um, parents always do the thing of, oh, I don't want anything as well, right? You know, your mum has actually said that to me before, Steve, at your Christmas party. I've said, oh, what are you hoping for for Christmas? And she said, I just want my boys here. I don't want anything. I just want my boys. I know. She's lovely, isn't she? Um, <laughs> she, she insists on us 
like, what am I getting you? What do you want? What do you want? And just asks us for like endless, you know, she does a lot of shopping for other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's, let's wrap up there. Um, get those. Wrap up, <laughs> little Christmas, little Christmas joke there. Let's get those uh, bells going again. So are you just, doing those live, are you? I'm just shaking these. <laughs> Sat atop a sleigh in a Santa outfit. Um, yeah, well, stay stay cosy, everyone. Um, it's been a long year. We've managed to get to this. Um, hopefully, you're... Just a quick little interjection, Steve. I've, I've not seen a mince pie, you know. I've not seen hide nor hair of a mince pie over here, but I've been tucking into babka like nobody's business. Uh, Babka is that that's a Jewish thing, isn't it? It is. It's probably not very Christmassy. A bit more of a Hanukkah. Oh, thing, oh yeah. But, oh, um, no, those are lovely, though. But it's magic. Yeah, yeah. It's magic. I'm yeah. Big fan. Are you also like a rugelach? Oh well, I'll, I'll pick one of those up when I'm next I'll in the one of those. in the city. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Goodbye from uh. What's been magical London and is now cozy Essex and uh from old George in the US of A. Snowy old Princeton. Um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Have happy holidays. Stay warm. Merry Christmas, everyone. And yeah. uh, Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>